two weeks from today, um, the message I will preach on November 20th uh, comes directly from uh, that song. I get inspired by that song. It seems like when we were driving to Florida this year, I just heard that song uh, just all the time on the radio and started thinking about that. And um, I feel um, that's, a, that's a good message. And I feel there's biblical content that goes there as well. And so we are um, on November the 20th, we're preaching a message, Dear Younger Me, and we're not going to have a very good message unless you help me because I need your Dear Younger Me letters. I don't need long ones. I need about a page. Uh, you can sign it. You cannot sign it. I don't think it makes that much difference. I need a Dear Younger Me letter, okay? Um, I'm gonna, I won't be able to probably read very many of them in their entirety. I may read a little paragraph here and a little sentence there, but I think it would be really cool to hear from you. Uh, if you sign your name, that means you don't care for me saying that this was written by whoever. If you don't want to sign your name, that's cool. I need your dear younger me letters. And obviously, I'm looking for something spiritual. I don't want you to say, I wish I hadn't married him or something like that. You know, I, <laughs> I, you know that won't get read if... Uh, you can email them to me, markatherton at zenyanaz.org. You can write it out uh, and bring it to the office, mail it to us, um, make any difference. Um, younger me can mean an elderly person or a younger person. Uh, doesn't mean you have to be 40 years old to write a Dear Younger Me letter. You can write, be 18 years old, 15 years old, and still write a Dear Younger Me letter. Um, okay, two weeks from today. I'll be sending you some text about that. You'll see some emails on it or something like that to remind you. Uh, like to hear from you, okay? I'm sitting down today because uh, as I preach a message today on the topic that I'm preaching today, um, I don't want to be real preachy. I don't want to stomp and snort around. And uh, I, um, I want to do it with a good bit of meekness and a good bit of humility because uh, I do know there are opposing uh, sides uh, in this very room. Uh, I, I know there are people that will uh, take dramatically different uh, sides when it comes to politics. And so I want to more or less have a conversation from your pastor today. I'll be giving you biblical content today that I don't think you can disagree with, but I will also be giving you some opinion that you obviously can, and I would encourage you to. It's no big deal. It's just my opinion. It's no better than your opinion. Hopefully it's a biblically informed opinion. Uh, hopefully it's a scripturally informed uh, opinion. Uh, but there will be some opinion things today as well as some biblical content. Um, we, um, on Wednesday morning, when we have a new president-elect, I assume we'll have a new president-elect, but uh, with this election, who knows? Um, um, we'll be more divided than we've ever been as a country. I think that's very safe to say. We'll be much more divided than we have been under President Obama's uh, time in office uh, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, no matter who wins, the opposing side will be uh, guns blazing um, to, um, to defeat and discourage and to try to discredit uh, that president no matter who it is. So we're going to be very uh, divided as a country. Um, and I think that goes, goes without saying. The division is not wrong. Uh, I don't really think. Uh, some people disagree with me on that. The division is honest. 
and it's good to be honest. A lot of you all have division in your marriage, and you won't even speak about it, and that's not honest. That's not even a marriage. You just kind of stuff it under the rug and have some kind of fake peace and a fake unity. The only way you can have honesty and, and, and real unity is to be able to express your differences. Uh, expressing your differences is very Christian. It's very real. It's very honest. Um, it's very Christian to be able to do that. The fact that we have differences is not a problem. The way we deal with our, with our differences is the issue. Okay? The fact you don't see eye to eye with your wife is not a Christian issue. It's, it's a very normal issue. The way you deal with those differences is a Christian issue, is a Jesus issue. And so the fact that um, we're called to love, I have someone, someone, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's talking about these signs. Everybody in the whole town's talking about these signs out here. They were just, it was, Biscuit World was a buzz the other day with um, some. <laughs> I had to go back to my Facebook page about every 30 minutes to delete the, the ugliness on it. Just the rudeness, the ugliness that was on it when I took a picture of this and, you know, kind of teased our message this week and so forth and so on. It's just, People are, are nuts, you know. They really are. Um, uh, someone said, "I hope you'll." Uh, someone said, "I hope you'll preach unity." Well, you know that's really not realistic. Consider what's going to happen on Wednesday. And I said, "I, I, I hope we are Christ-like." Just what I told you. I hope we're Christ-like in our differences. And um, she says, "No, we, we're supposed to love one another. We have to be unified." Well, that, that's that's not an informed opinion. Um, we can love one another and still disagree with one another. If you're an adult, you can. I mean, junior high kids can't, right? I mean, but adults can, and even atheist adults can, right? So at least it seems like if atheist adults can, Christian adults should be able to love one another and still not see eye to eye with one another on on everything. So as we, as we come to this, I understand the gravity of what I'm talking about. And so that's one of the reasons I'm doing I don't think what I've ever done is I'm not trying to be cool. All the cool preachers sit down when they preach. You know that. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just trying to not stomp and storm around quite as much as I uh, usually do. Jesus, you know, the Bible uh, has some specific things to say politically that maybe ought to just shut our own all of our mouth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12, it says, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the left to the, uh, to, to the heart of the left, the fool to the left. So the, the Bible plainly says, now, if you're on the right side, you're wise. And if you're on the left, you're a fool, right? I mean, right? That's good biblical interpretation there, right? I mean, how much more plain can you get that? I know that, I know that when, the pro, when the writer wrote that, he was thinking of Republicans and Democrats, right? I mean, I'm sure he was. Or you could maybe have this next passage in Proverbs uh, that says you should be a moderate. You don't turn to the right or you don't turn to the left. You, you're a moderate. You're right down the middle. I tried to find some passages that says you're supposed to be on the left, but I couldn't find any. And I, I don't mean anything by that. I really don't. I just, I just couldn't find any. But there was a, uh, there is a time when Jesus was asked a political question. When I look back on my preaching here for the last six plus years, uh, back in 2000, I've preached twice on politics. This is the third time. And, 
And uh, back in 2011, I think I used this verse, and I'm going to use it in a different way today. But Jesus was asked a political question. Um, And we don't understand it because the context is totally different for us. The things they were dealing with 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem and the things that we deal with in Xenia, Ohio, left. But he was asked a lightning bolt of a question. Man, it's just like, man, Black Lives Matter, Second Amendment, immigration is nothing compared to this question that Jesus was asked back in Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And we have that, and and the scripture says, um, some of the religious leaders, later they sent uh, the Pharisees and the Rhodians to uh, Jesus to catch him in his words. Okay, so they're not coming really want to know what Jesus said they're trying to trip him up they're trying to embarrass him they're trying to discredit him okay uh verse 14 they came to him and said teacher we know that you are a man of integrity they're but they don't mean that they're buttering him up okay um you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are but you teach the way of god in accordance with the truth is it right to pay the imperial tax to caesar or not now the imperial tax means nothing to us okay um but Roman, uh, Jerusalem was under Roman occupation. There was a foreign country that was governing uh, Jerusalem at that time. And, and paying tax to that foreign country was, man, that was a whopper of a political issue. That was a big time. Should we pay the tax to Caesar or should we not pay the tax to Caesar? And they were trying to trip him in his words because he says, don't pay the tax to Caesar. Well, he would be arrested for uh, uh, not complying with Roman uh, governing. If he says, no, um, yes, you, excuse me, if he says, yes, you should pay the tax to Caesar. All his followers that thought he was the Messiah that was come to bring a, a Jewish rule, Hebrew rule, back to Israel would think he's selling out to the Rome. He's just selling out to government, just like any other politician. He's just selling out to the government. And if he didn't answer the question at all, he's lo- he would lose respect because he was a coward and just wouldn't deal with that issue. So he could lose his life or lose his freedom. He, he could lose his followers if he answered one way or any way he answered. He was, a, he was a goner on this. That's why it says they were trying to catch him. They thought they had him. Okay, so are we supposed to pay the tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius. It was a coin. It was about a day's wage, okay? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And he responded, then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God's. And they were amazed at him. We have no comprehension of the lightning rod of a question that this was this was the political question of the day and i think it's instructive for us and how we as christians deal with politics as a whole maybe just not on who we vote for in 2016 but the way we deal with politics as a whole is to know that jesus did not avoid the political question he was not too holy he was not too spiritual. The, the, the political question was not beneath him. He answered the political question. He could have said something like, well, I'm... I'm oh, I better sit down again. He said, he, 
He could have said something like, um, oh, well, I'm here for uh, to usher in the kingdom of God, and I'm not going to deal with temporal things like politics. I guess he could have said that, and, and maybe we would have thought there's some kind of wisdom in that if he said that, but he answers the political questions. He enters the political arena. And if Jesus enters the political arena, if Jesus enters the political discussion, I think that would give permission for his followers who are called to be Christ-like to do the same. It was not beneath him. Hey, politics is a messy, dirty, many places ungodly, sticky type of business. Much more so in Jesus' time than ours. It was a pagan government. Jesus did not feel that him entering into the political discussion was somehow dirtying him or somehow being unspiritual. He answered the political question, and that's instructive for you, I think, and instructive for me. We're not too clean to get dirtied by politics. We're not too spiritual. Politics is not beneath us. In fact, the dirty things of the world is right where we need to be. A Christian witness needs to be in messy situations. And the grace of God can allow us to go into messy situations without getting messy ourselves. But I think there are some people who, who just somehow think this election in particular, because how honry it's been, is I'm just too, I just don't want to have, I'm washing my hands of it. I'm just, and I think, I guess this would have to be my opinion, okay? I think we're called to be able to vote in this election as in any election, even though we don't have much of a choice. And both sides of the issue, both candidates that, okay, I know there's more than than two candidates, but either one that's going to win, okay? I know they're not great, great choices for us, but we're called still maybe even to vote, as we've read on Facebook and everything, the lesser of two evils. Even though that's messy and that's dirty, listen to me. Isn't the voting for the lesser evil a, mor- a moral thing to do? Isn't wanting less evil a moral choice than more evil? Now, we can disagree on what candidate brings less evil. But but for me to say, well, I can't, vote for, I can't vote for either one of them because I'm voting for the lesser of two evils and whoever I vote for is evil. Well, come on. Don't we normally vote for the lesser of two evils? It's probably more pronounced this time. I think probably with the exception of the first vote I ever made in 1980 when I was young and naive, somehow thinking that Ronald Reagan was the Messiah. Did I vote enthusiastically? Do you think my vote for John McCain was enthusiastic? Do you think my vote for Bob Dole was enthusiastic? 
more times than not, when I, maybe I'm the only one in here, more times than not, when I go into the polling place, I'm voting against someone more than I'm voting for someone. Maybe it's just me. I wish that was different, but maybe it's a function of being a Christian, too. I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, I guess I don't have scriptural grounds for this. In my opinion, voting for the lesser of two evils is a moral thing to do. Wanting less evil is more, more, is more moral than wanting more evil. That, to me, seems like common sense. Um, Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor. If I just wash my hands of the election and I don't, I don't care what happens to this old world. I'm a Christian and I just want to stay out of that whole thing. And I just let the world go to hell in a handbasket. Is that loving my neighbor? Should I want my neighbor to live in a less evil world? Wouldn't that be expressing love to my neighbor? That I would want this temporal world that we're going to live in for 70 or 80 years to be as good as it could be or to be less evil than it could be? Would that not be an expression of loving my neighbor? Jesus jumped into the political world. He jumped into the political arena. He didn't think it was beneath him. Jesus had a lot of, I mean, Jesus had a lot of important things to do, man. He, uh, he could have just bypassed this question and totally ignored this question. You know, I think of the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Do you remember that? The two religious people didn't have anything to do with the guy that was beaten up and bleeding on the side of the road. Uh, they were the religious guys, and I don't know where they had to go. They may have had to go to church. They had, may have had to go to pray. They may have had to go prepare a sermon. They may have had to, I don't know what they had to do, but they weren't going to get involved with this man. They had something, in their opinion, more spiritual to do but the Samaritan got involved with the one that was bleeding it was messy his his hands were probably had that guy's blood on him and and it was messy to get involved with that guy and it it he, he had to take time out of his day and and he had to pick he probably had to pick him up and put him on his camel or his whatever to take him and he had to spend money to put him up for the night it was messy it was he didn't was was probably wasn't able to look too spiritual he could have gone to church and like the other two but he got involved in the messiness of the day The messiness of the day, whether it's the political arena or any arena, needs a Christian witness. And we're not too holy. We're not too spiritual. It's not ben- it wasn't beneath Jesus. Some people will say, i got to get up on this one because I feel like preaching a little bit now. Some people will say, well, I just don't vote because Romans 13 says God's going to elect whoever God wants to elect because God's sovereign. And in Romans 13 says God has instituted government and that government is of God. Government is okay. It doesn't say anything that God has determined who the next president will be doesn't say anything that God has determined who the next... And there are people who believe that. Do they understand that means that God determined that Hitler would be the leader in Germany? Do they understand that that means that they... 
that God, or do they think Scripture is only about the United States? <laughs> does, 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 does they know that means that God ordained that Stalin killed, will be the leader in Russia? Stalin and Hitler, and Hitler killed 25 million people combined. Does that mean that, that if God ordains the presidents, you know, it says this, God ordained government, that means that God has to ordain who the, um, the uh, city council people are in Xenia. Does, God has a little more to do, I think, than that. God gives us free will. And if you make God control everything, you make God the author of sin. And that's a very blasphemous thing to do. And you take away one of the most precious gifts he's ever given to humanity, and that's free will. So don't cop out by saying, oh, God's in charge, and whatever, you know, whatever happens is up to God anyway. Okay, I guess. I guess God wanted Stalin to kill 25 million people, right? Jesus entered into the political arena, even though it's messy. My friend back here, Mark Muterspaul, he ran for something in Spring Valley, trustee or something in Spring Valley, and a few years ago. And after the, after the lecture was over, I asked his wife, Terry, and she goes, we aren't ever doing that again. I mean, it even gets messy in Spring Valley for a little trustee position. I know it's messy. I know it's messy. But a Christian witness is needed there. And... And God can give us the grace to get into the mess without getting messy ourselves if we choose to apply his grace to our life. So one of the things I want to say biblically that you really cannot deny or really can't disagree with me is Jesus answered the political question. It wasn't beneath him to get involved with politics. I want you to also see that the answer he gave pleased no one. And by that... I tell you this morning that he did not give a partisan answer. Now hear me. He did not give a partisan answer. His message did not please the Romans. His message did not please some of his followers. He found another ground to be able to take. And that tells me that Jesus doesn't line up perfectly with any type of party or political belief or political understanding. Jesus is nonpartisan. And if I think that Jesus lines up exactly with one party or with another party, I am tremendously naive. And I'm reading my Bible through my Republican or Democratic glasses. Because I read things in the Bible that seems to me Jesus is pretty conservative, but I read other places in the Bible, he sounds pretty daggone liberal. And if we're going to try to line up with Jesus, we're going to probably have to take a little bit from over here, and we're going to have to take a little bit from over there. Jesus chose an answer that didn't please any of them. I think if Jesus was here and we would learn his political beliefs, we wouldn't like them. (laughs) 
Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. You've got a temporal world here that's 70 or 80 years. Be involved with it. Try to make the world a better place. Uh, Be involved in politics if you want to. Help your neighbor. Try to help the poor out. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's a temporal world. My kingdom, the world doesn't understand my kingdom. I don't think like the world does. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, who has ever known the mind of the Lord? Or who has ever been his counselor? And I'll get up on this one. For me to think that I figured out what God wants politically is tremendous spiritual pride, tremendous hubris, tremendous audacity, and tremendous arrogance. And I see it happen on both sides all the time. I saw a tape of a Catholic priest this week says it's a mortal sin to vote for Hillary Clinton because of abortion. I heard Dr. Jeffries, who's pastor of Dallas First Baptist Church, one of the largest Baptist churches in the country, say that it is morally unconscionable to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm sorry, man. I guess I don't understand God as good as they do. And I'm certainly not going to judge my fellow Christians like that. I'm certainly not going to commit a horrible sin by calling you a non-Christian because you didn't vote like I did. What hubris, what arrogance. You know God that good? I'm trying to tell you this morning that Jesus' answer didn't please anyone was nonpartisan. Hey, go on and get involved. Have your beliefs. Have your opinions. But carry those with humility. And carry those with the wisdom of meekness. And carry those knowing that we see through a mirror dimly. But carry them. And even if I'm wrong, I've got, a, I've got a Jesus up there that's interceding for me right now for the Father. Say, oh, Father, forgive him. He's tried the best he could to figure it out. Jesus wasn't partisan. And I'm going to tell you something. As a registered Republican, I'm more angry with the Republicans than I am with the Democrats. I want to throw the whole bunch out. I think there's one more thing that's in the passage. Jesus said, hand me that coin. Whose whose inscription is on that? And they said, well, Caesar's inscription. And he said, well, give to Caesar. What is Caesar? And give to God what is God's. This, this, this coin was um, a function of, of the government. And there's nothing wrong with government. Romans 13 said God has ordained that there be government. And if God has ordained government, it's okay for you to work in government. It's okay for me to be involved in government. God's ordained it. He wouldn't ordain anything that I should stay out of in any way. It, this is a, the, the coin was a utility of the government. It's a, it's a good thing. It, it, it's a good, but it's a temporal thing. 
It's a temporal thing. And so give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. Why do you think he asked whose image is? Jesus knew whose image was on that anyway. He says, why do you ask whose image was on that? Because he, he then correlated with the image that's on the coin, which is a temporal image, and the image that then is on us, which is God's image. So he kept the main thing the main thing. He says, oh, give to Caesar, pay your tax, pay your tax. We've got to have roads. We've got to have stop signs. We've got to have stoplights. We've got to have sewers. Let's pay your tax. But keep the main thing the main thing. God's image is on you. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. It's temporal. It's temporal. It's, it's, it's necessary. It's okay. You're not unspiritual for doing it, but it's temporal. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. But keep the main thing the main thing. Give to God what is God's. And I think one of the reasons that we in the church of Jesus Christ have such problem disagreeing is because sometimes we place way too much emphasis on the good that government and politics can be able to do. If I made you mad today and you turn out and walk out on me, that tells me one thing about you. Your politics is above Jesus. Your politics is above Jesus. Because I can disagree with you and you can disagree with me. And I can still shake your hand and you're my brother in Christ. I may think that you are on cloud nine on your political beliefs. I have no clue where you're coming from on your political beliefs. But you're my brother. I'll see you in heaven. I may not want to see you before then, but I'll see you in heaven. <laughs> some Christ friends of mine have said some things politically that just blow my mind. And I'm sure I've said some things politically that blow their mind. But if Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not, you're my sister and you're my brother. And that takes much priority over who's going to win this election. When you're on your deathbed and I'm on my deathbed, we've forgotten all about Trump and Clinton. They will not come from our lips, but we will not have forgotten about our God and we will not have forgotten about our family, okay? Keep the main thing. People, I got to get up again, don't I? People unfriending people on Facebook? I mean, what in the world? You getting mad because someone disagrees with you? Do you think you're that right? It's not in the realm of your understanding that you might have missed this a little bit? Like, I could have missed it a little bit? Jesus, uh, hey, he entered the political arena 
And I think that gives us okay, right to do that. There needs to be a Christian witness there. We're not too spiritual. We're not too holy. Make, it, make your choice. Make your choice. He, he didn't do it in a partisan way. Don't attach Jesus to the Republican Party or don't attach Jesus to the Democratic Party. And both sides do it. Both sides do it. And keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is not political unity. The main thing is not political unity. Have you ever known in the history of the United States where we as a country have been united, excuse me, as we as a Christians have been united politically? Never. Research it like I did this week. There were Christians who wanted to stay under the crown and they didn't want anything like the Revolutionary War. They were cool with staying a colony of England. Then there were Christians who threw that tea, that tea in the water, man. We have never, and to our shame, Christian denominations split over the slavery issue. We've never agreed politically. If God sends revival to this country tomorrow and all of the churches have seekers at the altar, that's a spiritual revival. We're not all of a sudden going to turn around and agree on taxes and agree on immigration and agree on all the other issues why in the world would you think that a conservative is all of a sudden going to become a liberal and a liberal is going to become a conservative let me tell you if listen if god sends spiritual revival and people get on fire for jesus we'll still have our differing political opinions but we'll differ in a christ-like way that's the difference that's the difference we'll still differ We've always differed. Sometimes I have a little trouble on the abortion issue because that kind of almost seems like a, an area you cannot differ. And, and some of you here will only vote for Trump because of that issue. And, and you know, everybody votes for whoever on whatever reason you want to. Uh, there are, if there's any one issue type of thing, it's probably the abortion issue. And I'm pro-life. But in a nonpartisan way, I wish all of us people who are anti-abortion would be less anti-abortion and more pro-life. I wish all of us people who are anti-abortion would be lining up to adopt all these babies that are not going to get aborted. If you're pro-life, there are consequences for that. If you're a pro-life, it's just not enough to be anti-abortion. Well, I just want her to have her baby. Well, she, she's poor. She don't want the baby to begin with. What are you going to do with the baby? I don't know. She just shouldn't kill it. Why aren't Christians lining up if you're pro-life? See, that's a nonpartisan stance, in my opinion, my opinion, on the abortion issue. It takes a little bit from both sides. I know, I know deeply Christian people, deeply Christian people who are pro-choice. They say to me, Mark, there's going to be abortions anyway. I don't want them to be done with coat hangers in the back alley. I want it to be safe. 
and rare. And many of them would say the best way to fight abortion is to fight poverty because the number of people in poverty that have abortions is astronomical. Maybe I agree with that. Maybe I don't. I'm not going to de-Christianize them about it. Even on an issue as close and as intimate to us as abortion. If there's one big thing I want to say is that our differing political opinions are okay. There are people that will take their Bible with them and go to the ballot box and vote for Trump. And there were people that would take their ballot with them and go to the Bible bo- ballot box and vote for Hillary or vote for Gary Johnson or some will even vote for Jill Stein or Mike Castle or whoever, or write in Mark Atherton or something. I don't know. <laughs> Be Christ-like in our differences. Be Jesus in our differences. Don't judge people to hell. Don't de-Christianize them because they disagree politically with you. That's, that's, that should be the very least thing as Christians we do. That should be so common sense. And you can have your opinions and you can hold them strongly, but you can express them in a good and a godly way. And you can extend your hand to your Republican friend or your Democratic friend And say, man, I think you're nuts, but you're my brother. (laughs) And God says, i got to get along with you. Well, I haven't answered the questions behind me, have I? The answer to which one is whichever one that you want to vote for. It should be biblically informed. It should be biblically informed. But equally... Christian people can look at the same issue and come out, come out different places. I talked to someone in this church. They said, well, I've prayed about it, and I'm voting for Trump. I talked to someone else in this church that said, well, I've prayed about it, and I'm voting for Clinton. So did God? Who's? Did, they really, did God really speak to them, or did they just vote for who they wanted to? Did God say both things? This is a marvelous area where we agree to disagree. But hold your opinion. Don't back down on your opinion. Don't be a coward and, and not... I, I get so sick and tired of preachers that won't talk about politics. They're, they're, they're cowards. They're, they're flat-out cowards because they're afraid that some tither is going to get up and walk out of the church. My goodness gracious. Are we real or not? Can we be honest or not? Can we talk about relevant issues or not? Are we so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good? Come on. Go vote if you haven't. Vote for who you want to. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm Mark Atherton right now, okay? I'm not speaking for the Nazarene church, the Zenia Nazarene church. I'm voting for Donald Trump. If you've ever read Facebook, you know that, okay? No, 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 no. That didn't make my vote any better than anybody else's. Doesn't make my vote any better than anybody else's. I'm voting for Trump for one reason. Because I think maybe, maybe, and I'm not confident in this at all. I wouldn't bet a penny on it, to be quite honest with you. But I think maybe if there's anybody going to go up there and kick the establishment in the teeth, it 
might be him. I don't think it's going to be her. That's about, that's about the reason. That's about the reason. Well, Mark, what about all those things that he said horrible things? He has said horrible things. Everybody on the right goes, oh, well, he's become a Christian now. Everybody becomes a Christian around election time. Come on. Don't let them fool you. I hope he has become a Christian, but don't let that fool you. Everybody's God bless America at election time. Vote for who you want to, who your political beliefs best line up with. Do it in the fear of God. Do it biblically informed and be Christ-like in your differences. And be Christ-like in your differences. Be humble. Be meek. Jesus, Father, I know everybody in this room hasn't agreed with me, and I'm not arrogant enough to think everything I said was 100% correct. It's just me. I pray anything that I've said that I shouldn't have said, you'll just kind of cover me with that and not let it lodge in anybody's mind. Father, wow, let us, let us just be Jesus people, whether it's political or whether we're going to Walmart or whether we're coaching a soccer team or going to a high state football game. Let us be Jesus people. Let us be different by the way we uh, conduct ourselves in agreement and in disagreement, in politics and in football stadium or coaching a soccer team or at work. Let us be different people, peculiar people, your King James Version of the Bible says about us. And Father, let us, let us realize that someone who's different from us politically is not it's not a sinner. It's just someone who's different politically. <laughs> Help me not to think that I f- know your mind and I've figured you out politically and that your political views line up with mine. Keep me from that, God. Father, I pray. I don't know how to pray for this election, Father. I really don't. I really don't. I'm not sure you have a will, to be quite honest with you. But if, if one of those candidates is better for our country and would further the cause of Christ better, even though I kind of say that and don't even believe that that's true, if one of them is better, then that's the one we want. Even that's, even that's going to be the one I'm not going to vote for. Have your hand of mercy upon us, this country, as we go to the polls and as we will be a divided nation on Wednesday, November the 9th. May we as Christians lead the way and show people how we can differ in a Jesus way. We pray these things in your name. Amen and amen.